Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. It's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan. That is Mike. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm pretty good. Pretty excited. Uh, this is a, a fun one, the era of, of Weird Islanders uh, that we're going to talk about. <laughs> you can't help but just to laugh. It doesn't make any sense. I'm still not sure if it was real. When you look at the players that played for the teams, the jersey they were wearing, the, the yeah. building they were playing in, the GM they were playing for, all sorts yeah. of stuff. So I'm pretty excited to get this one going. Yeah, this uh, this guy, whenever there's a list of, boy, that guy was weird wearing that jersey. This guy's always at the top of them, yeah. whether it was this jersey or another one we'll talk about in a minute. It, it's like it's like when, in a weird way, it's 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 if you manifested Chris Osgood in like the, the Red Wings pads when he was mm-hmm. wearing the Islanders jersey, but he still had his Red Wings gear. Like, and, and if you just took that and put it in a cauldron and, and a player got spit out, <laughs> this player would get spit out because it just looks so strange when yeah. you consider the, the the colors he was wearing, the look of him, everything. Mm. It's just and, such and, a bizarre time. And his pedigree coming in, right? And exactly that is why we we called in our extra special guest. Uh, you know him from his great work writing and podcasting for the Athletic. If you're a longtime fan like myself, you read his original blog, which shared the name of his very famous and uh, well known Twitter handle of Down Goes Brown. He is Sean Magando. Sean, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on. Uh, this has been very exciting, and 
you know, we, this was, we have a big list of weird Islanders that we reference a lot. And this, this player was right at the, one of the first people on the list. And, and you were one of the first guests that we thought about, like, who wasn't one of like somebody we knew from <laughs> just, just uh, the Islanders circles or having on our other podcast. So it's very exciting to have you on. Um, before we get to uh, the player, uh, just just a real quick uh, question. Um, you have a very unique voice in hockey, and I, like, you're like super plugged into everything that happens in the NHL, while you also don't take the sport that seriously, which makes it a lot of fun to always read your work. Uh, as you've gone from you know sort of independent blogger to more mainstream writing, have you found it hard to keep that voice the same and does it only get worse when people are yelling at you and complaining that their team isn't in the weekend rankings as it seems to happen all the time uh, down in the comments section at the athletic. I'm getting pretty used to that. First of <laughs> all, just, just, just to clarify, I'm not remotely plugged in at all. <laughs> at all. I don't know anything. So if you ever see me like writing or saying something and you're like, wow, he's, being really authoritative on that. He must have some inside info. No idea. Well, you do a good I job just, of hiding that. I'll tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> I fake it until you make it. That's and right. uh, yeah, no, that, I mean, that that's it. I got, I'm a hockey fan. I'm yeah. a Leafs fan. I don't hide that. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't like, this isn't some like spiritual thing that, that we're doing. <laughs> it's entertainment. It's supposed right. to be fun. So, I mean, uh, that's not to say I don't take it too seriously sometimes because I absolutely do, but I, I try really hard not to. <laughs> well, well, we appreciate that. And uh, and for the record, to my knowledge, neither Mike nor I has ever yelled at you about the Islanders uh, in the comment section at the at the Athletic. That's as far as I know. Maybe something happened, uh, you know, outside of my knowledge, but that's all <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've found the only two Islanders. Yeah, the only two. <laughs> like, right. right. Yeah, I save. Yes. I save it for. I save it for for other for other people. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask, uh, don't ask Kevin Kerr's anything that I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so you, uh, you, like you said, you are a Leafs fan and you are a, an expert in this particular player that we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, you've written about him as being your favorite player. And so we spare no expense for our listeners here at Weird Islanders, the podcast. And so we went right to the source. And so without anything further, Sean McIndoe, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast? I'm I I am happy to introduce this player even though I'm admittedly confused about what we're doing because it is a lifetime Toronto Maple Leaf Wendell Clark the guy who only ever played for the Maple Leaf so I That's don't right. really know what an Islanders podcast is doing talking about him but uh, yeah it's my my literal favorite player from uh childhood right right through to present day so uh, yeah I I I got uh, one or two things to say about him yeah, this is uh, I, I get what you mean. This is uh, it's almost like peeking into an alternate universe. Uh, I'm sure at some point somebody will come up with a weird Nordiques podcast and they can talk all about Wendell Clark themselves. Uh, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's at least you didn't have... say the Red Wings. I mean, that would well, yeah, no. throw me off <laughs> or uh, or weird lightning is another one, too. But uh, before we get to all that Islanders, lightning, Red Wings, whatever, um, let's start way before that uh, and his his Leafs tenure, uh, because this guy wasn't just a player for the least. He wasn't just some guy like this. This player was a, a folk hero. He was the, you know, I don't know, you, you can tell us more so, but he was a, a guy who was like a foundational piece of a Leafs team that before, just before he left had found some success. And so he had a stature for like 10 years before he even became an Islander. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that 
uh, and like what that experience was like watching him sort of come up all the way through the leaf system. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I mentioned this on, on a, a podcast last week. It's if to this day, if you go to a hockey game in Toronto, go to an, go to a Leafs game mm-hmm. and they'll play a, they play a video before the game and it's just a bunch of highlights and it's, and you can imagine it's the hundred year history of the Leafs. Right. I mean, there's black and white footage. There's <laughs> stuff from a few weeks ago. It's, it's everything. Right. And it, you know, all the players get like a different level of reaction from the crowd. And to this day, Wendell Clark gets the loudest reaction of anybody. <laughs> Louder than Daryl Sittler, Boris Salming, David Keon, Johnny Bauer, like yeah. Austin Matthews. You go down the list. It's uh, it's it's wild. And you know, it's funny. Whenever someone asks me to describe the Wendell Clark experience, like you have to start with the fact that he's the first overall pick. Uh, in 1985. So it's the mid eighties and the Toronto Maple Leafs are the worst team in the NHL. <laughs> They're picking first. Uh, and they are, it, it, I always have to preface this and I say, you know, the ownership was so terrible and the team was so terrible and there was just so little hope. And then I usually have to say something like, you know, if you're a fan of another team, you wouldn't understand. I feel like Islander fans might understand. They oh, might yeah. be one of the few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The we, hopelessness. We understand hopelessness pretty because good. Because it was the whole, like, it's one thing to have to have a crappy team, yeah. crappy coach, crappy GMs, right? Players get traded, people get fired. But when the owner is a piece of crap, yeah, which Harold Ballard. Who doesn't have any money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which Harold Ballard was all of those things. Harold yeah. Ballard was, and I, I do not say this lightly, given present company, Harold Ballard was the worst owner in the history of the NHL. Just an absolute yeah. decrepit monster of, mm-hmm. of, of a man who also, the, the only vice that he didn't have was the sort of ego that would make him want his sports teams to win. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of crappy owners where that, like Jerry Jones might be a jerk, but at least Jerry Jones wants to win. Harold right. Ballard didn't yeah. want to win. Harold Ballard wanted to make money. So, you know, if you're a Leafs fan and I'm like, I, I'm, a, I'm a kid back then but even i realized that like oh this team is like you know they stink but you know i'd, I'd say well maybe next year they'll be good and the, the grown-ups would just laugh at me the grown-ups would be like no they're not ever going to be good right. and i i was like all right okay so into this atmosphere of no hope uh comes the leafs getting the first overall pick and of course even the leafs getting the first overall pick they can't get it right because they get it the year after mario lemieux comes. <laughs> I didn't even and it's not a strong that, draft, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, you know, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Craig Simpson is yeah. is the presumptive number one pick. Hey, the um, Islanders missed out on Yarmir Yager because Uwe Krupp scored an overtime goal in Buffalo in the last day of the season and oh, kicked wow. them up one spot yeah. in the draft. So yeah, and we, we missed out on, on Victor Hedman because we made the wrong choice. Oh, <laughs> okay. Nice. We're going to do that. All right. Okay. I'll put that in my back pocket. That's fine. That's all right. Um, it's, it's so the Leafs we're all waiting for them to take Craig Simpson or I think there you know there's a couple other guys but they instead they take this undersized defenseman from the Western Hockey League named Wendell Clark uh, and and he was he was a defenseman when he uh, when he was in junior top you know a top prospect it's not like they went off the board right but this guy comes in you're kind of going all right and like right away they're like well, we're gonna switch him over to wing and you're thinking okay um, and then we sat back and we watched this guy. And those first couple of years, now to be clear, the team still sucks. The team is still a joke. They're awful. And they have no, there's still no hope, but it doesn't matter because this guy comes into the league like an absolute buzzsaw. 
just an absolute wrecking ball of a hockey player in a way that quite honestly you we will never see again yeah like like we might see someday another Mario Lemieux or another Bobby Orr like it's it's almost impossible to imagine because of how good they were but if that guy did show up there'd be a place for him in the game like there's never going to be another Wendell Clark because this guy and he was he was a small guy but he was just Saskatchewan farm boy through and through and he went out on the ice and and he was just he was a he was a surface to air missile looking for something to hit at all times uh and he he hit everyone he could score and he could fight and he would fight guys twice his size and <laughs> i mean my god like th- th- and this was in the 80s right so every team's got two enforcers back then and there are some guys who were really good fighters like really good like you know bob probert was one of the greatest oh fighters of all time okay i don't mean um, around that time too yeah you go down the list but I've never seen anyone who fought like Wendell Clark because Wendell Clark did not ever, ever play defense when he fought. Like when, and, and, and in fact, uh, and I challenge you, go back, find me a Wendell Clark fight that starts with him dropping the gloves and like kind of dancing around and like waiting for an opening. You will not find it. He's all Every offense. Wendell Clark fight was, <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't jump you, but he would go up to you and go, do you want to go? And as soon as you said, like if you started to say, yeah, as soon as the why got out of your mouth, yeah, his gloves would hit the ice. He would start throwing haymakers, no defense. You want to throw haymakers too, you go ahead. And he would keep throwing haymakers until you were on the on the ground. And then maybe he would stop, maybe not. And I mean, it was just unbelievable. Remember, this is the Norris division days. Mm. This is this Leafs team. We're used to like getting run out of the building by Detroit, Chicago, the North Stars, mm. the Blues, all these guys, all these tough guys. And suddenly we've got this insane teenager <laughs> who's just running around pummeling dudes twice his age twice his size wrecking guys with hits and and scoring ton of goals you know scoring 30 plus goals uh and and it was it made the team a little bit better and a little bit better didn't make the team all that much better at all because they stunk right they still stunk but you didn't care anymore because you were just i mean you would just sit the buzz in the crowd at maple leaf gardens on every wendell clark shift every wendell clark face off where you're like who's he lining up with who's he next to was absolutely off the charts. It, it was, it, it, there will never, no, no fan base. It makes me sad. No fan base will ever experience that again because the game has changed so much. There just, there won't ever be another Wendell Clark. Yeah. And, and like you said, players like that don't really exist anymore. Guys that can score and also fight. Like the go-to guy for most people is I think Rick Tockett also falls into that category. Even Mark Messier yeah. kind of falls in that category. For Islanders, Neely, there were, there yeah, were guys Neely, back right. then, yeah. Uh, for Islanders fans, we often go to Clark Gillies and yeah. Bob Nystrom, who you know could score thirty goals a year, and were not shy about throwing hands. Nystrom in particular, but none of neither one of those guys in particular came even almost close to the two hundred twenty-seven penalty minutes that Clark had that first yeah. year, and he scored thirty-four goals on top of that. He came in second in Calder Trophy voting, uh, and then he did the same thing again the next year. He had thirty-seven goals and two seventy-one penalty minutes. So like. Yeah, this I can imagine like the the, the buzz. Yeah, man, and I mean the penalty minutes that it's it it would have been higher, but after those first couple years, especially people realize that like when Wendell says, "Do you want to fight?" You 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 look away, get out of there, because I mean it's amazing if 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 anyone hasn't uh, you know you haven't done it, especially if you're a fan of a certain age that you appreciate this stuff. uh, Go back and watch, go down go down the YouTube rabbit hole of Wendell Clark fights. (laughs) 
it's amazing how many of them are over before the camera even gets there. <laughs> like there are, like you hear the crowd cheer. Maybe you see like a glove fly in off the side and then the camera pans over and it's Wendell on top of some dude mm. just who's already flat on his back because mm. he just, uh, you know, he, he would just go full buzzsaw on these guys. And it was, you know, it was something to see. And it was, you, you know, this was back then. We loved every second of it. Today sure. you look back on some of this stuff and you're like, oh, you see him like fighting a guy like Mike Peluso and you're like, geez, man, like, you know, what, like we know some of these guys had you know, the concussions and all that stuff uh, that came after it. It's it's hard to enjoy it. But back then we weren't, right? you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say burdened by the knowledge, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And so we just thought it was great. And I mean, you would just, it, it, Saturday nights, you would just tune in just to see, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, Leafs are losing eight to one going into the third period. Okay, I'm still watching because who's Wendell's going to find? He's going to tune somebody up tonight. I know it. That that makes him a little bit like the anti Mick Vakoda who would fight guys. So he, like every Mick Vakoda fight with the Islanders was like a a wrestling match. Like it was ten minutes long. Somebody's going to get yeah. pinned, or body slammed. It's a whole thing. It's like setup moves and all kinds of stuff. It, it was yeah, a, but that's a uh, most of the story. best ones were like that, right? Like I mean, right. you know, <laughs> like a guy that that. Both fan bases would know, and one of my favorites, Ken Baumgartner, oh, yeah. was, you know, like he took boxing lessons. Like he, <laughs> you know, really wanted to know. Bob Probert was yeah. the classic guy that he'd take five shots early in the fight, but by the end he would, you know, position yeah. and the strength and everything. Whereas Wendell, I mean, there was no technique. It just looked like, it looked like a farm boy trying to start a lawnmower that wouldn't fire up, you know, <laughs> with, with the Rick, like just pull it on the cord. Uh, and it was, uh, like it was great. And, and so like, just instantly this fan base that right. re- like, at least since Daryl Sittler had left four years prior, hadn't really had anyone that they could, mm-hmm. they could have that bond with like Rick Vive had been good, but you know, Rick Vive wasn't that guy. And, uh, Salming was, you know, the, it was a great player, but he, he didn't bring that out of the crowd. And then yeah. suddenly this guy, this, this farm boy shows up. Uh, with the mustache and the mullet and, you know, no facial expressions. doesn't say anything interesting ever, <laughs> but you're just like, he's like the Terminator. You're just mm-hmm. like, all right, now we, we got our guy. Let's go, let's go, let's go into the Chicago stadium and have some fun. I was going to ask, he, he always had the mustache, right? Like even when he was drafted, Pretty like, much always. he had it when he was drafted. I can't remember yeah. if he ever, if he, if he lost it at any point, he, he probably did, but uh, I, I mean, I just assume he was born with it. I just, I never saw it. I don't, my, myself no. personally, I never saw a picture with them out it, without it. So, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, by the way, Ken Baumgartner, not only did he take boxing lessons, also took, I believe, economics classes at Hofstra University. Smart guy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, he's a super <laughs> smart dude. He was. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, you know, here, here comes Clark. He's super exciting. Everybody loves him. He's putting up goals. He's putting up penalty minutes. But the Leafs still aren't particularly good until the early 1990s when they started uh, gathering up some better players. Felix Potvan, previous uh, Weird Islanders, the podcast subject, Felix Potvan was on that that team. Uh, a guy named Doug Gilmore, who came over in a trade from Calgary. Uh, another guy who had a lot of years of experience. So what was that like all of a sudden? Like to see, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head, but like I feel like the Leafs went from being like, yeah, yeah, whatever, to being like, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, these guys are like knocking on the door of the cup final. Like, was that yeah. how it went or was it sort of a gradual? Mm-hmm. Inc- no, it was pretty much that. So, so I mean, <laughs> what happens is it, Wendell comes in, he has those first two insane seasons and then his body starts breaking down, yeah, I which that. I guess, you know, we probably should have seen coming. The guys, he's like <laughs> 5'11 at most and he's throwing his body around against 230 pounders. 
so he starts missing time, bad back, you know, all, all sorts of different injuries. And in fact, like a lot of people don't don't want to tell this part of the story, but there was a time in the late 80s where the fan, a big chunk of the fan base started to kind of turn on him. Because it was like, oh, you know, he's he's always hurt, you know, like, and and this was back when, you know, hockey player, you you weren't allowed to be hurt. Tough, Wait tough guys didn't get hurt, right? You played hold, through it. Hold on one second. You're talking about a first overall pick that gets hurt all the time that the fan base <laughs> is turning on. I, I no, don't, I'm not a, familiar with that. <laughs> a little weird, right? Like, who could imagine? Right. So, uh, and and this leads right into the, so the 1990s come along, Harold Ballard dies in 1990, thankfully. All right. It's finally <laughs> something good happens to Maple Leafs. Cliff Fletcher comes around in 91. Uh, and at this time, Wendell Clark gets named captain. You know, everyone's, everyone's good with that. Uh, and then Doug Gilmore arrives midway through that 91-92 season. Plays pretty good. Leafs finish like, they you know, they finish okay. They they don't make the playoffs or anything like that. They They rarely make the playoffs in those days. Um, and then in the 92 off season, they hire Pat Burns and that's kind of the point where everything changes. There's this absolutely insane day where the Leafs need a coach. Everybody knows they're looking for a coach. The, there's rumors about who the next coach is going to be. And then suddenly Monday morning, Pat Burns calls a surprise press conference in Montreal and says, I'm resigning. I'm not the coach of the Habs anymore. And then that afternoon, the Leafs announced, we're going to name our coach and Pat Burns walks in. Wow. And he's their new coach, and people lose their minds. You can imagine how that played in Canada, <laughs> yeah. a guy jumping from Montreal to Toronto like that. And that kind of is it. So Pat Burns comes in; it's Gilmore's first full year, and now Wendell Clark is mostly healthy again. Now for for Wendell, that means like sixty five games is what you're looking <laughs> at. But uh, and it just all clicks. Felix Botvin comes in; he takes he takes over mm-hmm. the starters job from Grant Fuhrer. They trade Grant Fuhrer for Dave Anderchuk, scores fifty goals. Uh, and suddenly now you've, you've got something, but even then they go into the playoffs and they're a 99 point team and Leaf fans, we can't believe it. Like this is, holy <laughs> smokes, they're not a joke anymore, but they're playing Detroit and Detroit is stacked. And we all know they're going to lose to Detroit and they don't. And that starts the playoff run of, of 93, which to this day is still every Leaf fans greatest memory who was around by <laughs> back then. And you can say that's sad if you want to, but uh, yeah. it's, it's the truth. Cause we love that team. Like you guys know that there's there's teams that have success and teams that don't and then there's teams that you love and teams that you don't and it doesn't necessarily always line up and this was a team that just everybody loved that team and it was it was dougie gilmore pat burns wendell clark and and their cast of characters and it was absolutely the most fun i've ever had as a leaf fan watching yeah I, i mean i hate to bring it up because you guys beat us but you know as someone who was born six years seven years after the islanders won their last stanley cup Mm-hmm. For the longest time, my favorite team ever and the best memory I had of the Islanders ever was them losing a playoff series to <laughs> the Maple Leafs. So I, we, we, we know, we know, like, I mean, that, that team to me won a Stanley well, Cup in my mind. I mean, first of all, that's like having like a super rare collector card, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty much one of a guy. I, I, we won't go off on the tangent of 2002 except to say, like, would you guys agree with me? Because I've said this before and, and people, people always raise an eye when, when I say this. Um, because I grew up watching the Leafs play, like I said, in the Norris. Just nasty 80s, 90s hockey. I've said before, that 2002 series with the Islanders was the most brutal yeah. playoff series You'd I've expected, ever seen. I, I just waited for the cops to show up. Like at all, I honestly, at all, yes. I, you, I, know. you joke, but I was like, somebody at the end of this series is going to end up either dead or in jail. Yeah. And, you know, or, I, or I, crippled or whatever. Like, because it was out of control how nasty yeah. that was getting. Oh my God, it was terrible. And and that's why, you know, there's, we talk about it a lot on our other podcast, you know, the, the, the Islanders Leafs 
kind of rivalry that maybe just is in our own head because of you know <laughs> what, what's been going on with the two teams but it, it really all started for me like I, I started to really hate the Leafs this moment that Darcy Tucker you know low bridge yep. Mike Pekka and like yeah. then because before that we'll get circle it back to Wendell like to me the Leafs were just kind of you know like yeah I knew they were original six they hadn't won in a while and I knew that the Islanders had Wendell Clark at one point and he was a Leafs legend, but they were like, it was like almost like how I kind of considered like the Ottawa senators right now or the Calgary flames. They're just there. I like them, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're just kind of existing in the NHL. Uh, but now it's just, you know, it's completely different. And like, you know, to retie a bow on, on a team like that, like even thinking back to the way Dublowitz game, like, mm-hmm. which was in my mind, I'm like, we finally got payback on the Leafs, even though that n- none of those guys were really still around. You know, that was yep. game eight of that playoff series. And it just happened to take place in New Jersey against the Devils. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, that would be all right, man. I mean, that, Oh, yeah. that was so I, if to this day, if I saw Steve Webb walking down the street, I don't know. what. <laughs> man, I, I'd say the same thing with Shane Corson. Like yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I Shane, would say you guys hate Shane Corson and you guys I, all hate Darcy Tucker, but oh, Gary yeah. Roberts got off scot-free yeah. on that brutal hit on Kenny Joe Onsen. Kenny Onsen. Yeah. yeah. That's why it was even worse than Darcy. T- oh man, yeah. okay, oh, we uh, I would, I would absolutely, series, but, I would oh, need a lawyer to to, to, to do this conversation. <laughs> oh, I need a lawyer yeah. present. It's yeah. funny that you would you would assault Steve Webb, who I don't believe has probably paid for a meal on Long Island since 2002. So probably going on 20 years right now. Yeah, and him and Eric Cairns. Yeah, I was gonna say. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, on, on Long Island, I mean, he never did anything on the road. So. No, yeah. <laughs> my lasting memories of that series, uh, real quick, were the, the Pekka injury and Eric Cairns standing over some some fallen leaf. I don't know who it yep. was. And just looking yeah, I think like it was Corson. Who they kicked him and then he got suspended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's when you know it's a bad fight, when yeah. you get uh, you get speed bagged and suspended. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. In the same fight. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so yeah. So, I mean, and, and also there's somebody listening to this who's like, man, I've headed the Leafs since 1978, Lanny McDonald. I guarantee yeah. you there's somebody there saying that. that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah probably. Right. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, so the, all of a sudden the Leafs have had a bunch of success. They go to back to back, uh, conference finals. They lose to the Kings and then the, um, the Canucks, right. Uh, in back to back years. And, and, and we got to talk the, the King series, especially is, <laughs> is the Wendell Clark signature series. Yes. That is the series where he goes from very, very popular player to legend mm. because he's, you know, he's been good in that playoff run. Now we're in the conference finals, the deepest playoff run the Leafs have had since that Islanders series. Mm. So it, for a lot of us in our lifetime or in our memory as fans and Wendell Clark at this point, he's broken down. Like he's literally <laughs> spending hours on the trainer's table every day just to be able to suit up and play. Yeah. Um, so he's completely beat up and they go out there against the Kings and in game one, the Leafs are winning. They're taking it home. Uh, final minutes of the game, Doug Gilmore cuts across the blue line and Marty McSorley smokes him with an elbow. Mm. And as soon as he does, Marty looks around and he knows what's coming And Here comes Wendell Clark straight at him, drops the gloves and they go at it. in one of the most famous fights ever. Again, Wendell Clark, half his size. Marty was a big boy. Yeah. Marty McSorley was a big guy and he was a good player. But he was one of the toughest guys in the entire league when it when it when the gloves came off. And Wendell Clark drops the gloves and rocks Marty McSorley <laughs> with to this day the hardest punch I've ever seen wow. anyone take. I can't believe Marty McSorley stayed. I can't believe his head didn't fly into the mm. third row. Like he absolutely smokes him. And and like the next day in the front page of the newspaper, there's this picture of Marty McSorley with this huge shiner. Like his his whole <laughs> face was like. De- 
it looked like a bomb went off. It was it was fantastic. He, he hit um, Marty McSorley so hard that he ended up using an illegal stick in the next series. And uh, exactly, yeah, he knocked it. Exactly, <laughs> maybe that was his that was his curve measuring eye that, <laughs> yeah, that got exactly. landed in the in the upper deck at the Garden. So that <laughs> happens, and then Game Six is the famous game in L.A. Leafs are winning three to two, uh, mm. leading the series three to two. Got a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Final, play the Habs. They're losing four to one in the game, but they're four two. But they come back. Wendell Clark scores the hat trick to bring them all the way back. Gets a breakaway goal. Gets got you know, and then with the goalie out, he scores the tying goal, the hat trick goal. The guy can barely walk at this point, <laughs> and then that ends up being the Doug Gilmore high stick game with yeah. Wayne Gretzky. They come back game seven. Wendell scores two more goals in game seven, but they lose that. But by that point, you know Wendell is a legend. And the funny mm. thing is, and I was talking with with Mendez about this on the podcast, like. I don't know if you guys can picture the Marty McSorley fight. Probably not, but but any Leaf fan out there, probably any Canadian can. And you just picture Wendell, and his his helmet's knocked off, so he's got this bald spot, and he's got this big bushy beard for the playoffs, and he's you know he's so injured and beaten up, and his face is all scarred. Like, and I was looking at like in my mind, he's forty years old in that fight, and I went back and looked it up. He's 26 <laughs> for that fight. It's yeah. absolutely nuts. Like, oh, yeah. you know, when you look back and you're like, how is this person playing a high school student? The, the actor's yeah. like 35. It's like that, like it, but in reverse, like the grizzled veteran. Yeah. And he's like, and he was like younger than Michael Bunting is now. It's completely nuts. <laughs> People age differently. Baseball players are like that too. You look at some old baseball cards and you're like, oh man, what is this guy? 45 years old. And you look and he's like, yeah. how was he just called up? He just got called up the year before. He's 27. What? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I believe that. And actually the age and the, uh, the trainer's table are going to come up uh, again in a few minutes. So yep. despite the success and despite his status as a legend in June of 94, the Leafs actually trade him to the Quebec Nordiques, uh, um, which yep. is very strange. Like what was the impetus for that? So, so this is, this is Cliff Fletcher again. And, and well, I mean, what it is, is this is, as much as I hate to say it, this is the classic example of selling high, mm. of knowing. I mean, how many times have you had a guy that, you know, your team was saying, well, they're going to trade him. And you're like, oh, you can't trade him now. He's he's good now. Like Wendell Clark, after that 93 playoff series, he comes back. He has another series, a season where he plays 60-some games. He scores almost 50 goals. Yeah, This is now like Wendell, the the sniper, has emerged. He was always a good power <laughs> forward, but now he's just running rough shot. He's scoring at will. And with this, he's got this legendary wrist shot that is is so funny because it takes him all shift to tee it up. If it was a video <laughs> game, you would have to hold the shoot button down for like 10 seconds for the little meter to fill up. But once he lets it go, it's going in. There's right. no, absolutely no stopping it. Um, but the Leafs at this point, they're an older team. They've got Dougie Gilmore as their number one center. They don't have a second guy who's any good. And the opportunity comes up to to trade for this young Matt Sundin, who's like 22 years old at this point, mm. uh, this star in the making. And you you trade the old guy coming off a career year for the young guy coming off a not so great year, uh, who plays the better position and you know all all this other stuff. And Cliff Fletcher makes the deal. And and I can't I can't say it was a bad deal. Right. Um, I mean Matt Sundin might be sure. <laughs> for some people the greatest leaf of all time. Right. But oh, it it I tell you, man, uh, mm. Cliff Fletcher balls of steel to make that trade because <laughs> right. that decimated the fan base. In fact, even uh, I'll give you a, another YouTube clip that's a great one. Is is go look up the the announcement of that trade because it was made on the draft floor. 
Oh. And so it got announced at the draft. Um, and it's the draft is, I want to say, in Hartford. But when they start listing the names in the trade, the crowd's reaction, like when they get to Matt Sundin, the crowd's like, ooh. But when they say Wendell Clark, the crowd just like erupts like, whoa, the Maple Leafs just traded Wendell Clark. Are you out of your mind? Big deal. Yeah. It was absolutely Hartford. We had, they, they, were, they had a thing like in August where like at the one of the city halls down in Toronto, they had like a goodbye Wendell Clark rally and like thousands of people showed up. I was there, like we're oh all God. like, you know, waved a goodbye to him and everything. Like it was like, it was honestly like, uh, like nothing I've ever experienced, like how, how hard that city took, huh. um, you know, it took that trade to the point where Matt Sundin, as amazing as he was, like Leaf fans didn't warm up to him for a yeah. long, long time. Cause it's like, you know, it was it was it's it's you know he was like the stepdad coming in and you're just like you're not no <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it, it, he had to he had to have a couple of you know super all-star seasons on his, on his own before people would warm up to him like mm-hmm. that so it's fun it's fun to look at an uh old draft footage when trades like that go down to now and be like well look there's everybody not taking out their phone and arguing who won this trade and exactly, whipping, yeah. whipping whipping charts out about contracts and, and aging curves and stuff like no they're just yeah. like actually reacting to the fact that this leaf legend is now right. going to quebec um and i can imagine that it took at least a season to get used to seeing him in that Quebec Nordiques uniform I with never the third of the league. You know, nobody I ever because we, well, we only had the half season, right? Because then it goes into yes. the lockout. Right. Right. Um I I never got used to it. It 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 didn't look right. Uh hmm. it just uh yeah. There's a was... there's also a funny thing about photos from that era. Like it just looks foggy. In, yes. In, yeah. in every rink, it's just like the the condensation in the air. Like even yep. even his his pictures with the Islanders in the in the uh right. beautiful fisherman jerseys, like you you look and you're like, was it was someone like, did they forget to close the door or something? Like what's going on? Is there a ghost? <laughs> yeah. Is there a ghost in the arena? It's just it, the, the pictures from that, that time were just. Yeah, lighting just... was not really a, a mastered uh, <laughs> field back then. <laughs> right. So, uh, well, anyway, so, well, now we, we have finally reached the point. We have established Wendell Clark's bona fides. The man is a legend. He's a folk hero. He's a playoff hero. He, he fights, he scores. He gets traded to the Nordiques. It's very strange. It's a strange year, half season for everybody. The Devils win the Stanley Cup of all things. Then in October of 1995, uh, Wendell Clark gets traded again. Now, by this point, the Nordiques have moved to Colorado and are the Avalanche. And Wendell Clark would never play for the Colorado Avalanche because he didn't want to sign a contract. The Islanders had a guy named Steve Thomas. He didn't want to sign a contract with them. And Claude Lemieux, who won the Consumite Trophy as playoff MVP for the Devils, he doesn't want to sign contract with them. So a solution is found. And the Islanders actually trade Steve Thomas to the Devils for Claude Lemieux and then immediately turn around and trade Claude Lemieux to the Avalanche for Wendell Clark. Here are plenty of reaction from the O.J. Simpson verdict, but first to a big trade from Tuesday night in the NHL. Holdouts, three solid players, all going to new teams. Got to call this a blockbuster deal. Wendell Clark, Steve Thomas, and Claude Lemieux involved, all moving and all presumably getting new contracts that they want. Here's how it works. Wendell Clark will go to Don Maloney's Islanders, where he will join Kirk Muller and try to lead that young team. Steve Thomas goes from the Isles to New Jersey, adding some more sniping to the Stanley Cup champs. He's already agreed to a new contract. While the playoff MVP, Claude Lemieux, is off to be part of the Avalanche in Colorado. TSN's Darren Detition has more on the trade. 
Claude Lemieux, the Conn Smythe winner in last year's playoffs, was one of three disenchanted players featured in a three-way deal. Lemieux scored 13 playoff goals in leading New Jersey to its first Stanley Cup. But the 30-year-old right-winger angered Devils general manager Lou Lamorello by challenging a contract he signed in the offseason, and then he failed to report to camp because of the dispute. Now the question is, will Colorado be able to sign him? Clark was dealt to the Nordiques from the Leafs before last season and assumed a leadership role in Quebec, chipping in 12 goals, 18 assists for 30 points in 37 games. Clark contends that the Nordiques, who in the offseason moved to Colorado, promised to renegotiate his contract, which has one year left. Clark says the Avalanche reneged on that promise and refused to report to training camp. The trade was originally promised for Lemieux, then Islanders general manager Don Maloney shipped Lemieux to Colorado to get Clark. Maloney says Clark, not Lemieux, is the type of player they need in Long Island. Quite frankly, uh, we weren't interested in Claude Lemieux. Uh, first of all, he's a right winger. We have plenty of right wingers. Second of all, uh, in our minds, Wendell Clark uh, brings to the table what we're looking for, leadership and character. This trade worked out for just about everybody except for the Islanders, which is obviously <laughs> par for the course. Um, so, I mean, by this point, you're a year removed. You know, you've had a chance, I guess, to at least somewhat get used to the idea that Wendell Clark isn't a Leaf anymore. It's bad enough he was a Nordique, but now he gets traded to the Islanders. Like, do you remember where you were when you heard this? What your feelings not this, were? No, not not <laughs> this one. I mean, I remember at that point, I remember thinking it was, first of all, a very cool deal because it was, even though, like you described it, it was two distinct trades, it was... Yeah. Like it was basically sold as a three-way trade, right? Um, and uh, you know, Steve Thomas. You talk about it, that was another guy who had played for the Leafs in the mid '80s. Yeah. We love Steve Thomas, and he would come yeah, back to, to the Leafs, <laughs> and, uh, and he was, he, you know, we loved him. And Claude Lemieux, right. a Hab. You can imagine yeah. how we felt about him. So it was sort of like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I mean, it was. I guess you know. I don't know that I felt anything, you know, he mm. was, he was traded to not the Leafs. So, right. uh, you know, it, it was mm. still, it was still going to be weird to, uh, uh, to see him in a different uniform, but you know, mm. his, he, he hadn't, uh, it, it, it felt weird, right? Cause I mean, Matt Sandin had been great for the Leafs and you're sitting there going, Oh, it, I mean, the really the, the Nordique slash avalanche are moving on from Wendell Clark already. But, mm. um, you know, I guess you could, you could understand with all the contracts and the holdouts, you could understand yeah. why it happened. Well, it was, it was, and it's funny because there's so many little bits and pieces here that I had forgotten. And one of the bits and pieces is that I didn't realize that Wendell Clark signed a three-year contract extension with the Islanders upon that trade. So he was ready. To, it's always the schools. It's they always the schools. The schools. Andrew Ladd loved the schools. They all yes, love schools. That's always the big selling point for See, You, you got to remember, this was back in the day where uh, players could just say, I want a new contract. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, you, I mean, you went down like, for us some, with Peck, Peck and Yashin. Like they, yeah, they, yeah. Was yeah. Say. They would just say, I want, you know, I, I want a new team. deal. And, you know, I have one year left on my deal or two years. I want to renegotiate. Uh, and, and you can't do that anymore. So you, I mean, you would get genuine holdouts. You would get, well, I want to make yeah. more money. Well, we want you to honor your contract. Well, I'll see you later. I'm going to stay home. And yeah. that happened with, with all sorts of guys. So, yeah, um, it, 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 it really cracks me up when people were losing their mind over like the, the William Nylander situation. I was like, you think this is yeah. crazy, man? Like <laughs> Alexa Yashin and Michael Pekka in the same season sat out because they were holding out right. their contract and guess how, how they were punished. They were yeah. traded to the Islanders. So <laughs> this is not that. Let that be a lesson. To- yeah. Yes. I mean, that that's how the Islanders got Pierre Turgeon because Pat LaFontaine 
basically did the same exact thing. You but, can go uh, down the list. The, the, that's how the Leafs got Doug Gilmore. Everyone <laughs> talks about what a ripoff trade that was. Doug Gilmore went home two days yeah. before the trade. It was like, see you later. I don't play for the Flames anymore. So That's funny. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so here he is in, in yet another different jersey, non-Leafs jersey, obviously. And oh, what a jersey that was. That was the year yeah. that the Islanders introduced the Fishermen. And as we kind of said off the top, if there is like a, a disconnect, I mean, nobody really looked good in it. It was weird. It was strange. But like some guys you could kind of see like Travis Green or Ziggy Palfy. For two, for two is the guy. Ziggy yeah. Palfy was, belongs in that uniform. Yeah, exactly. It, it, like, it was Palfy, Bertuzzi, and Fisho. Yes. Eric Fisho. I mean, Fisho yeah. is, is just such a good looking guy. It doesn't matter. But like it, th- those are the guys that like you're like – you guys can wear this, pull it off. Right. It's, it's it's just, it's one of those things where you, you see someone wearing a style and you're like, oh, maybe yeah. I can adopt that style. Right. And then you do it and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it does not work. Like, I, I don't, like, why, why does this work for Ziggy Palfy and, and Eric Fischo and not me? Right. Well, it didn't can... work for Wendell Clark with that, yeah, with Wendell. the handlebar mustache and like the gnarled knuckles. He, he, he looked tougher than the fisherman did on the jersey, which was, he, you he know. looked like, you know, like when, when these like upstart leagues start, like the XFL mm. or someone and they, and they bring in a, <laughs> a player from from like the nfl from right. who was who was a guy from like six years ago and like oh wow like look they got uh they got like bill romanowski playing for for this for this xfl team that's pretty cool and you look at him and he's like wearing like this teal jersey and you're like that's not an nfl jersey that's just that mm-hmm. looks strange that's what wendell clark and the fisherman looks like although at the same time because uh like if you look at the fisherman with the the beard and the face, and then you look at Wendell Clark with his mustache. You're like, man, you throw like a yellow rain mm. coat on him <laughs> and a and one of those fisherman stereotypical fisherman hats, like the Gordon yeah. Fisherman. You're like Wendell Clark, it could be raining on this guy, and he could be hauling in a tuna right now yeah. if uh, <laughs> if he really yeah. wanted to be. Right. He probably would have. He would have figured it out. He was, yeah. uh, you know, he, he would have taken the farm guy work out. Of all those players, he definitely looked the most like the fisherman, more so than say Darius Kasparaitis or somebody like that. But uh, yeah. uh, so he he signs and he's ready to play. And you know what? His numbers that year. Now he showed up at camp late. Uh, apparently, was not in great shape. Took him a while to get going. But at the end of the year, fifty-eight games. He he did miss some time with injuries. We'll get to that in a second. Played in fifty-eight games. He had twenty-four goals, nineteen assists, forty-three points, sixty penalty minutes. Like. Frankly, that's a pretty solid season for a guy. And I remember at the time I was, I would have been in in high school. Like he was a pretty popular player. People knew this guy. And again, like, as we said before, Islanders fans love guys like this. that can fight and score and do all this stuff and be tough. Game ends in a 3-3 tie. Wendell Clark, though, a madman in this game. Besides his two goals, 11 shots on goal in the tie. It was awarded the penalty shot after Stars defenseman Craig Ludwig intentionally covered up the puck in the crease. That's a no-no. Isles are winless in five. Clark for the Islanders. Up to Travis Green. Tried to feed Poppy. Instead spins it around the boards. Kelly Rudy gave it away to Green. Quick shot. They Quick pass, tipping it in. Wendell Clark. Five goals in his last four plus games. 
as Kelly Rudy makes that mistake, and it's costly. And people wanted to embrace Wendell Clark as an Islander. Mm-hmm. Especially because he wasn't Kirk Muller. Especially because he wasn't Kirk Muller, who was his teammate who had arrived in a separate trade at a different time and will leave in a separate trade at a different time. But people want, and, and the tough part was they traded Steve Thomas for him, essentially, which, you know, he was a beloved Islander too. And so people really wanted to like Wendell Clark and he was very popular, but just like, and just like, I guess his early days with the Leafs, it was everything around him and everything around the team just made it so hard to just enjoy them. And at the center of that, was his coach and later his GM slash coach, Mike Milbury. Now, Clark and Milbury, two guys, one guy tough, one guy thought he was tough, I guess. Uh, They did not get along. And you wrote a blog post, Sean, about this confrontation that was also in the book We Want Fish Sticks by Nick Hershon uh, that talks about an incident when Milbury basically called Clark out in the middle of the locker room for being on the trainer's table all the time. And like, this is a guy who, like you said, could barely walk. Like he needed that training time. And he was being productive, and yeah, it didn't go too well. Uh, so no, I don't know if, yeah. no, it, it it wouldn't. And that was actually it was a it was an excerpt from the Jamie McLennan book. Mm. Uh, and and you know McLennan was was with the Islanders at the time, so right. he was there for for this. And and he tells the story of like the night that Wendell Clark fights Marty McSorley twice, uh, <laughs> and and you know the teams just look like holy crap, like they they know how beat up and hurt this guy is. And he's still out there doing that. And then there's, yeah, the story of like Mike Milbury trying to call him out. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're always hurt. And just Wendell just standing up. And he, McLennan even says that like Wendell was one of those guys. He was in the league when Milbury was there. So Milbury right. couldn't act like all tough around him because Wendell <laughs> could be like, dude, I challenged you to a fight, you know, at the gardens on a Saturday night. And you ran from me. So don't act <laughs> tough. Uh, and I guess, yeah, Wendell just got up and told him what uh, yeah. what what he could uh, what he could do and uh that that was probably the end of it i don't think i would have uh i would have yelled i would have argued with uh, wendell clark too much either well so in in we want fish sticks uh the the weird part like that's not that out of the question out of the ordinary we could see that happening but apparently there was a, a day or two later there was the islanders annual christmas party and mike milbury went up to clark and was like yeah we really put on a great show for everybody. Huh? How about that? And like kind of palling around with them after they had nearly come to blows <laughs> days earlier in the locker room. And that was apparently the, just the final straw at that point for Clark. Yeah. He just, he just couldn't take it anymore. He had exactly. to get out of there. Yep. Yeah. So rumors start swirling. Actually, they were swirling earlier in the season that both Clark and Muller wanted off the Islanders. I found some great quotes here where he's like, you know, uh, I played here. I want to play here, but uh, you got to put me on the power play. He's basically saying, if if you don't don't look at my numbers, if you're not putting me on the power play, don't, yeah. don't complain that I'm not scored enough. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, you know, he'll like Wendell Clark was always the guy. He he'd do whatever you want. You want him to kill mm. penalties, all right. You want him to play. I mean, he played de- he played defense if you wanted to put him back yeah. there. But he was saying like, don't say I'm not scoring as much as I used to when you're not putting me on on the power play. Which yeah, uh, well, that's I mean. Fair. Why he wasn't on the power play, we have no idea. Probably well, Mike classic Milbury overthinking. Yeah, exactly. And so these rumors persist because, again, the Islanders aren't very good. Uh, but the but the players love him. And, and Brian McCabe, who, of course, would become a Leaf many years later, was like, you know, one of the guys who was talking about how he was. He has respect. He was a captain of the Leafs for 10 years. Like, it rubs off on the younger guys. Not enough to get any wins, but, you know, they, they he was really a, you know, a, a well-liked player inside the locker room and, again, among the fan base. But eventually, things had to come to an end. So Mueller was the first to go 
Don Maloney got fired. Milbury got named GM. <laughs> One of the few moves that Mike made that people actually were were uh, behind was he traded Kirk Muller to the Leafs and uh, ended up with using the Senators. Bunch of guys moving all over the place. Ends up getting Brian Burrard out of it. So it worked out for the Islanders pretty well. They're very rare for a Milbury move. But then on March 11th, 96, Clark is eventually traded. Apparently the Habs were in on this too. They could have gotten Clark, but he eventually gets traded to back to the Leafs where he never should have left in the first place. I think we could all agree about that. And it was Doug Gilmore who apparently went to Cliff Fletcher and was like, yeah, you got to bring this dude back because we were missing something without him. And, uh, you know, worked out pretty well. And, and and the context here is, okay, so the Leafs have, they've had their two long playoff runs, 93-94. They trade Wendell. 94-95, they're okay with Sundin, but they go out in the first round. It's the first time they've gone out in the first round in three years. And, you know, th- this new era for the Leafs, the Pat Birds era, it's like that feels like a disappointment. Now it's 95-96, and they're hit and miss to even make the playoffs. And in fact, right around this time, Pat Burns gets fired. Uh, like you, you can feel it falling apart in in Toronto. This this yeah. this great team that everybody loved briefly, you can already feel it starting to to fall yeah. apart. And and so the the panic slash urgency sets in. And the first deal they make is the Kirk Muller deal. Uh, and of course, he's a good Kingston boy that Don Cherry likes, so uh, everyone's <laughs> happy with it. Then it becomes okay. What uh, what do we do next? And immediately for, for weeks in Toronto, the answer is you've got to bring back Wendell. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is the original sin that took right. apart this contending team was trading away Wendell Clark. Uh, you look over at the Islanders, they're not doing well. They're trading guys. We just made a trade with them already. Mm-hmm. Go get Wendell back. And uh, you know, it, uh, Gilmore going to Fletcher is, is great. I'm sure. But I don't. Fletcher needed the help. Like it was the, the <laughs> fan base. Everybody was saying, like, you you gotta. We we're we've got the talent. You know, Sundin's great. All of this stuff, but our heart and soul is playing for another team right now. Bring them home. And you just think about the that return. And we talked about this in the in, in the Felix Potvin episode. Like there is no Radic Martinek on the Islanders. I mean. I'm sure Sean, I'm sure you know the the legend of Radic Martinez very well. He's course, one of the best yeah. NHL players of all time. But Ooh, there's no Radic yeah. Martinez. Uh, yeah, there's no Radic Martinez on the Islanders without the Felix Potvin saga, and there's no Rick DiPietro on the Islanders without Wendell Clark stopping over here because the first round pick that ends up getting included is Roberto Luongo, mm. and uh, we know what Mike Milbury did with with Roberto Luongo. Yes. He he, 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 he traded up. Yeah, he traded up for to make sure he could get Ricky Pietro <laughs> in town. The, the uh, Leafs, amazingly, in that trade, uh, they get Matt, they get Matt, uh, Matthew Schneider as well in the yeah, trade. He's yeah, a real yeah. good, you know, real good player at the time. Uh, some prospects go the other way. Sean Haggerty was like a classic guy that like the Leafs brought up and put on the first line for three games, let him yeah. score one goal, and then traded him like it was a classic <laughs> pump and dump. Um, but they trade the they trade Kenny Onsen. Yep. Who's like a real good yeah, young I'm player? I'm looking at a and, Kenny Onsen signed mm, card right now, and <laughs> and, and they trade and and they do the thing that they had already done a few years ago, which is they trade their first round pick not that year, but the year after, and they had done the same thing the Tom Curvers trade that ends up costing them the Scott Niedermeyer pick, and here they do it again, and this time it costs them uh, ends up costing them Roberto Luongo because the Leafs the Leafs are really good at developing goalies, so it's not like. You know, they didn't need Luongo. Here's, here's the thing, man. They wouldn't have picked Luongo anyways. Yeah. yeah. It was a fourth pick. Like, they would have taken someone else. I got to tell you, this trade shows up a lot on lists of, like, worst trades the Leafs made, biggest ripoffs. 
Uh, Cliff Fletcher famously around this time was asked about draft picks and, and infamously said draft schmaft. Uh, <laughs> and that sort of became the, the rallying cry for like a short sighted team that, you know, could, it was just throwing good money after bad and all of this. Um, and the Leafs, yeah, they, they lost a pick that they could have used for Roberto Luongo, Hall of Fame goaltender. They, they gave up Kenny Johnson the best young defenseman that they had, they had, had, you know, probably uh, in, in years and years Uh, they bring in Wendell Clark, who is at this point, kind of a a shell of his former self. They bring in Matthew Schneider, who's good, but you know, it's, they, they still don't win a playoff round. They don't even make the playoffs for years to come. Can I tell you guys a secret? I don't care. I love this (laughs) trade. I don't care. I don't care. Even if you tell me the Leafs were going to draft Roberto Luongo, I, I don't care because that first night back at the gardens where Wendell Clark came back, holy yeah, shit, party. that was, was a party. Un, I, I, I have never, you, you cannot find me a building like that that's in a regular season game. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is like the, the bill it's packed half an hour before the game. Mm. It's I, uh, it's uh, again, this is another thing. I, I know I'm giving everyone homework assignments. We go on YouTube. You can find it. <laughs> Welcome to the inside of the house that Con Smythe built, and there will be no denying in a few seconds that this is Wendell Clark's home. There are no questions about the pictures and the sound as Wendell Clark makes his Maple Leaf return. a Maple Leaf 1996. Wendell Clark has given the Leafs a one nothing lead. You can see Cliff Fletcher applauding. That's what he wanted was immediate results. Well, is that immediate enough for seven minutes? <laughs> Who wrote the script, John? The crowd is going crazy in warm-ups. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, when, when the, he comes out for the first, like, you don't even have to, the announcers, like, say in the game, they're like, we're not going to tell you when Wendell's on the ice because you'll know. Because the crowd just goes <laughs> yeah. nuts. He scores a goal on his second shift back <laughs> and bursts into this big smile, which we've never seen before. The guy has no, <laughs> he's a cyborg. He has no emotions, but this huge smile and like Gilmore jumps on him. And like, I, I would trade Roberto Longo for that. Like, I honestly would. I'm <laughs> fine with it. I don't, I don't care that it didn't work in hockey terms. Sometimes mm-hmm. being a fan is about more than, than that. And I, I'm, I would make this trade again five times out of five. Yeah, I think there's a lot of trades like that too, where you just give the context of it, and people who 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 aren't don't have like the on boots on the ground mm. knowledge wouldn't get yeah. it, and, and every franchise has one. And the way you describe that atmosphere reminds me of a, of another return involving a leaf, and, and it was on February 28th, 
know, 20, 2019 when a, when a leaf mm. came back doesn't, to yeah, Masters doesn't, House. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't ring any bells, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You definitely knew when that player was on the ice too that night. I'll, uh, I'll think about it. if it pops into my head tonight while I'm in yeah. bed, like yeah, under, under my me, bed sheets. Me an email. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a photo of me. Yeah. I'll talk yeah. to you. Yes. Yes, please. It definitely. Uh, you, it should also be written about in the Players' Tribune as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's another guy in that trade too. Uh, we'll get to in a second, but. Uh, yeah, so he gets traded back there. Uh, one of the, one funny tidbit I found here uh, that uh, I, I love because I still hate Kirk Muller to this day and always will. The sure. Leafs were 4-14-4 and four after acquiring Muller <laughs> in the December of uh, 90, uh, 95. So, uh, they, yeah, they yeah. I, I like how they traded for him and then, like you said, nearly missed the playoffs. So there you go. Yeah, the um, Kirk Muller era really didn't work out. <laughs> didn't, didn't really work out for anybody. Uh, yeah. Kirk, no, no Kirk Muller. The, the phrase Kirk Muller era never works out for anybody. Um, but, yeah, so Clark was there. He, he's spent the rest of the uh, next couple of years there. He scored 30 goals in 96-97, which is pretty yeah. good. In the dead puck era, man, that yeah. 30 goals is nothing. And a, no joke back then right and then he starts his sort of like uh journeyman phase he signs yeah. with the lightning gets traded by the lightning to detroit for uh, a second round pick that turned out to be sheldon keith who is the second current nhl coach to be included here because in that leafs trade from the islanders uh the islanders traded dj smith <laughs> to the leafs yeah. too so uh yeah so there you go it's you know, a funny roundabout it's way the but battle of ontario coaching yeah, uh, matchup brought to you by Wendell Clark. <laughs> Wendell Clark, right? <laughs> a, a battle of who cannot play for the Islanders uh, or Leafs in any of these situations. Uh, but then yeah. he signs with Chicago, and then he signs with his final tour of duty with the Leafs uh, in uh, 2099-2000, Plays twenty games, and then uh, and then finally announces his retirement. So you know, it, it, this guy he meant so much to you, and then he left. And then he came back, and then he left, and then he came back. Like, how do you view those those seasons in which he disappeared? I mean, we, we you joked about it before, but like, do you really just sort of like ignore all those? Because some of those numbers are pretty good. I mean, he he, he almost had, he had a twenty eight goals for Tampa Bay in ninety eight ninety nine. It, it always it, it always felt weird. It it just yeah. felt wrong, uh, you know. And and this was also. Uh, you know, first of all, this is this is back in the day, not to hike my pants up to my armpits and and start telling stories, but you know, this was before YouTube and Center Ice and you know all these. Ins- so you didn't see guys like if they right. weren't on your local team. And I, I had just gone off to college, so I didn't have that. You know, I wasn't, I didn't didn't have my parents' cable to to watch. Mm. I wasn't even seeing much of the Leafs, let alone anyone else. And you just kind of, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. okay. Every now and then, you'd see Wendell would would show up. Uh, I remember he. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he makes the All Star uh, game with mm. uh, at representing the Lightning yeah. in uh, in yes. in like one of those late '90s years, which is interesting because if if I'm not mistaken, that gives him the NHL record for the biggest gap between All Star yeah. appearances, '86 and '99. Yeah, yeah, those were his he made yeah. he was in two, and and part of that was because he was always injured, so he didn't go to the right. the, the All Star games and other years that he would have made it, but. Um, you know, that was kind of, I remember, see, I remember watching the All-Star game and being like, oh damn, Wendell's still there. He's like, good for him. And at this point, he's like, you know, considering he was 40 when he fought Marty McSorley, at this point, he's 53 in my eyes. Like, he's <laughs> he was 29 on the Islanders. That blows my know, mind. It's, too. Like, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's you look nuts. at it like, come on, come on. Yeah, you were not crazy. 29. It's like, uh, yeah. like Danny Almonte <laughs> when he played Little League World Series, like. Wendell, yeah. we know you're, we know yeah. you're 46 wearing this Fisherman jersey. You don't yeah. need to tell us you're 29. He's, 
He's he's like, he was like that era's Aaron Eckblad or Gabriel yeah. Landeskog. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah. I remember standing next to Aaron Eckblad like on his draft weekend, and I'm like, dude, you're older than me. What are you yeah. trying to pull here? Like, what's happening? I remember watching LeBron James high school games when I worked at the AP, and oh, they wow, put him yeah. on ESPN, and I'm like, this dude is not. 17 years old. I'm sorry. There's no way. Speaking of guys who had the bald spot before. Yes, uh, exactly. Before they hit 30, yeah. But uh, yeah, Wendell was 29 as an Islander going on 51. But uh, but yeah, um, well, it's funny we bring up the lightning real quick because uh, as I mentioned at the top, uh, the, the sight of Wendell Clark in the fisherman jersey is obviously very strange. But the sight of him in that lightning jersey with the rain and the waves and the, yes. the crashing yeah. lightning is equally if not more strange and also often comes up and like what was this guy doing in this jersey but uh yeah makes I wonder, sense yeah no not at all but uh, i'm sure that lightning fans have some fun memories of that well this has been great sean i mean again we went to you you're the expert on wendell clark and you have provided us with a ton of information and a ton of laughs and uh i'm glad that we could come together islanders fans leafs fan <laughs> to enjoy this very strange journey of this mustachioed man who played for both of our teams uh, to one uh, more success uh, than the other. <laughs> um, uh, everybody knows uh, where to find you on Twitter and at The Athletic and, as well, but you have multiple podcasts going on all at the same time. What's your too schedule many. like? Yeah, <laughs> too many. So uh, you can hear me on Puck Soup, uh, which typically we do on Wednesdays. Uh, so uh, every Wednesday, myself and Ryan Lambert, uh if you uh enjoy that one we also have a patreon where you can get a whole bunch more contact we have greg wachinski and sean gentilly and a bunch of people tag in on that as well uh so for a couple of bucks a month that uh that could be well worth it and then on thursdays i record a show with uh my buddy ian mendez uh that is the athletic hockey show it's a it's uh uh a show that runs every day during the week over at the athletic but ian and i are up on thursdays so uh, we get to uh, sit around and I mean, in theory, we're supposed to talk hockey, but we usually just end up rambling about <laughs> crap uh, that, uh, that, that, that we did when we were teenagers. Uh, the, the show is great. I, I listen to you and Ian all the time, and you get to like the questions and stuff. And I, I think I think that might be the only question and answer podcast section that I ever actually listen to because the questions you get are often very, very esoteric and the answers are often very, very interesting. And so mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a great show. And uh, thanks again for coming on. This has been so much fun. We can't thank you enough. Uh, again, I've been reading your stuff for years and I just I just want to tell you thanks for everything you, you've done and written because uh, we need your voice out there because hockey can be uh, a little stiff sometimes. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. It can be a little bit, I guess, intense. And so uh, mm -hmm. we need uh, we need a lot of jokes. Hey, for sure. And you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate you saying that. It's it's good to know that Islander fans are uh, looking to have some fun and have a sense of humor. And I just want to yes. wrap this up by saying Darcy Tucker for life. Uh, go John Tavares. Shane Corson shouldn't have been suspended. All right. There we go. Hey, big smiles for everyone, right? Lots of fun. This is a podcast. Well, nobody will ever a hear brick ever just fly through my window. Uh, let me just <laughs> no, it was a snake. Out. It was a snake yeah, and you acted snake. like it was a brick. It was a rubber <laughs> snake and everyone's saying, rest that yeah. guy. Well, That's well, about if, right, uh, too. Yeah. Uh, if uh, if you're listening to this, uh, somehow you've broken into my house and heard this on my computer because this is never getting released. So there you go. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, we will be back again with uh, another episode very shortly. Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And until next time, keep the Islanders weird. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.